Totally Football Show. Back from Hogman A with much to talk about. Arsenal, Chelsea, the most rip-roaring entertainment since Ryan Giggs had a waxing. Crystal Palace, Man City, we called that. But there's plenty we didn't see coming, like the Benevento win, the Shane Long goal thing and another Forest firing. Join us then as we sail into all that and more as we kick off 2018 with those FA Cup third round previews, Italian news, Sparky and other stuff as well in this Totally Football show. Michael Cox. Hello, James. Sonalmarking.net in the house. James Horncastle. That's me. Indeed it is. And it's a big hello from the Totally Football show to Matt Davis. Hello, James. Hello, Matt. Out of Chelsea TV. Yeah, that's it. Does that others. define you? What else should we mention at this uh, point? Yeah, Chelsea TV. If you uh, support a football league club, you might hear my voice uh, on the highlights of uh, your team on your on your website. Uh, anything else from Canadian streaming services oh, really? to yeah. Argentinian football for Nigerian audiences. Oh, um, right. Fingers in pies, basically. Oh, right. Yeah. So you you do the uh, the Argentine football for Nigeria? Yeah. <laughs> It's a massive market, as you can imagine. No, it, you know, it probably <laughs> is, but how did that come about? It's just um, a company that I worked for for years picked up this contract and said, do you want to do some Argentinian football for, for Nigeria? Nigeria? And I said, Excellent. yeah. But that's interesting because they keep on getting each other in the World Cup, don't they? Yes, that's true. So yeah, maybe that's, that's, maybe that's why. That's niche market you've mm. cornered. Wow, wow. <laughs> I, I imagine among your various duties that you were in somewhere across Wednesday's big entertainment in the Premier League. Oh, One, yes. Perhaps the most Premier League game of the season the so game far. game of the year, you mean? I was kind of a bit worried about coming over all Richard Scudamore right at the start, but it well, was, I you think couldn't... that doesn't sound like an image anybody no. wants to entertain at this point. But, anyway. <laughs> but you couldn't talk about it as anything other than like a thrilling football match. It well, was just glorious, wasn't it? I was sort of really football fatigued coming into it, and yeah, that got me out of it. Yeah. Well, you had you had goals from unexpected places. You had. Ding-dong, box-to-box action, a match that built to a crescendo. You had comedy defending, terrible misses. Arsene Wenger doing his special I'm Jesse Lingard's uncle frown thing after the refereeing decisions. (laughs) Um, It it, it had everything, didn't it, Michael? Yeah, it was great. I thought Arsenal were kind of responsible for most of the goal-scoring opportunities at both ends with some brilliant attacking and some... Absolutely crazy defending at times. Um, the incident in the first half when Morata missed that one-on-one where, I mean, I couldn't work out who was at fault. I mean, Chambers just stopped. He seemed to think it was Mustafi's fault. Check, you know, other goalkeepers would have been sweeping outside, but Czech seemed to back off. Um, and, and really, Chelsea created the better chances. And despite Arsenal dominating, it was, you know, a familiar story. And, in, in, you know, going back a few years where Arsenal dominate against Chelsea and Chelsea are just more ruthless and more more clinical and and really it was two kind of goals out of nothing that that saved Arsenal's blushes. Brilliant strategy I thought from Wenger. Calculated risk there to basically just let Morata go through (laughs) one-on-one over and over again. Obviously he'd studied the tape from his last game and no worries from that perspective. He's, He's had two league goals since September in the corridors of power there at Cobham, mm. what what's the feeling? Are, are Chelsea going to come in for somebody, or like a striker or anything? Are they looking to maybe upgrade? Their... I, th- I think I don't think they're looking to upgrade Morata, but I think if they... Clearly, Conte's not a big fan of Batshuayi, so there needs to be some sort of backup. Well, they're not allowed to recall Tammy Abraham. I know that. That's part of the deal they've got with him. Um, so they're going to have to buy somebody, I think. And Morata, obviously last night, 
they were bad misses, all of them, because the, the, the one-on-ones, he didn't even get them on target. He didn't mm. even force a save, which is sort of the biggest worry, and, and he just tends to score with his head, oddly. Um, but maybe he could do with a bit of timeout, or maybe conversely, it's a good opportunity this weekend, playing Norwich, team not doing great in the championship, mm. to actually put him in, let his confidence increase a bit. But I... I kind of think back to Didier Drogba with Maratti. You know, he had a really difficult first season at Chelsea, and Maratta's what twenty-five. He's you know experiencing a new type of football. I think sometimes we tend to sort of overlook that players are humans as well. They've got this integration to do in their whole life as a broader thing. Obviously, that right. doesn't necessarily explain why he missed three one-on-ones last night. But he's feeling the pressure a bit. He's in a foreign country. Maybe give him a. A couple more months to settle down. Yeah, I think the, the crucial thing about Morata for me is that this is the first season really where he's been a first choice striker. You know, I think I, I looked up the stats actually. I'm not going to start with I think because I specifically looked it up. <laughs> but it, once he plays half uh, a game more in the Premier League, that'll be the most minutes he's ever played in the season. And we're halfway through the season. So he's had this mentality at Juventus and Real Madrid where he's come in for a start here, start three weeks later, a sub appearance. And I think when you're the number one and you know, mentally and physically, I think it must be really draining, especially, especially like you say, coming to a new country, more physical type of football, the matches over Christmas he's not used to. It's not a massive surprise to me that he's kind of hit a brick wall to a certain extent. You know, he's he basically needs a little bit of a, a rest for the backup striker to come in and do a job. Mm. But as you say, Batshuayi is not trusted by Conte. And you think that after after that, a new Drogba could emerge from the from the chrysalis? Well, Murata, yeah, Murata is a great player, but it's a it's a learning experience. I think in in some ways, he's he's younger than twenty five in terms of his experience mm. of, of you know starting up front week in week out, and uh, and I think that's starting to show because the misses were just, I thought the one at the end where he just kind of hooked at the ball, you know, just making sure he got it vaguely towards the goal rather than actually a shot you'd expect from a Premier League striker going for the corner. It just smacked of someone who was a little bit jaded, and just his general attitude actually. He was. He just looked frustrated. A couple of decisions went against him. He just looked a little bit out of sorts, really. I mean, one last thing on him is that I've seen it said that he's a bit of a flat-track bully this season, that aside from the goal he got against um, United, all of his goals have really come against teams you'd expect um, Chelsea to be mopping up against. And instead, his pedigree um, is kind of contrary to that because he was, yeah, he remains excellent on on the biggest stages in the Champions League. You know, that's where, even though he wasn't the first-choice striker at Juventus when they had Tevez and Llorente, you know, he was the guy who basically forced Llorente out um, because he was so good in the Champions League, um, scoring you know, both, both legs against Dortmund, winning the penalty against Monaco, um, scoring uh, both legs against Real Madrid, and then in the final against Barcelona. I mean, you can't really ask more of a striker of that age than that. So... You know, while at the moment his experience of in, in England suggests that you know he's finding it easier against the teams you'd expect a player of that pedigree to do so, I think there is a player there who can be what Chelsea need him to be. Hmm. So Chelsea needs to have a little bit of faith there. Arsenal, meanwhile, have already taken steps to sort out their defensive weaknesses by bringing Costantinos Mavropanos from <laughs> past Janina. I mean, we're chuckling. He might be brilliant. Well, I yeah, know. I mean, is this the first signing of their new chief scout, Sven Mislintat? We don't know. You know, all of those unknowns that he brought to Dortmund, like Shinji Kagawa, you know, maybe maybe he will he will prove to be like that. There's a fair chance that he's better than Callum Chambers. Uh-huh. That much we can say. <laughs> uh, do we see Arsene Wenger's point regarding penalties? First, that handball, air quotes, against uh, West Brom, and then the Bellerin 
Azard moment. Matt, you'll have an objective view on this. See, the West Brom one was, was scandalous, but I thought the Bellerin one was a penalty. I mean, he, he kicked the bottom of his foot. and It's one of those, if I'm dipping into my big book of commentators' cliches, anywhere else on the pitch, it's a free kick and nobody questions it. I, mm. I just... I really didn't see that there was a debate about it. Right. It was that a clear a penalty. Book, actually, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Did you know, this from Duncan Alexander, our friend Oily Sailor, Petr Cech's last penalty save in the Premier League is closer to the launch of Gmail in, two, <laughs> in 2004 than it is to the current uh, time. Well, I mean, the, to elaborate on that, he's faced, uh, what, 15 penalties and he's dived the wrong way 12 times. Oh. <laughs> That's rotten luck, isn't it? Well, I mean, usually goalkeepers now, they spend their last session before the game looking yeah. at the penalty takers on uh-huh. video. And yeah. clearly, um, maybe he's not anymore. Maybe he's concentrating on his drumming, because you know, he loves to drum. Is he a drummer? Oh, he's a massive drummer, he yeah. Drumming. He loves yeah. Queen. Um, yeah. I think he actually he got to drum with, was it Roger Taylor? Roger Taylor, yeah. yeah. You'd have thought of anybody's penalty that he had the chance to save, it yes. would be Hazard's, yeah. because he presumably faced him taking penalties in training for a couple of years. I think the Hazard and Hazard generally just rolls them down the middle, doesn't he? Which is yeah, sort but of what I he did. With, with Hazard, he waits for the goalkeeper to move, doesn't he? So it's a, it's a difficult one in terms of not going the right way because I think against Hazard it is difficult. But yeah, it is a, a weird weakness. Mm. I can't really think of... Any, I mean, maybe Peter Shilton, people used to say that against with the World Cup 1990, but for a goalkeeper to have such a bad penalty saving record is really quite mm. incredible, really. Especially when he's so tall. You know, Peter Shilton, you look back to that 1990 shootout, he couldn't get far enough into the corners to keep any of them out, but checks long enough to be able to reach both posts. So you would think And it. staying on goalkeepers' courtois last night, I mean, the save from uh, Sanchez in the first half and then from Lacazette at the beginning of the second half, too. Really extraordinary saves. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's focus on one or two more positives. Courtois, as you mentioned, the Alonso goal, the kind of wing-back to wing-back business there with a lovely turn from Zappacosta forehand. But just, I mean, how good is Marcus Alonso? <laughs> 12 goals um, yeah. since he's been in, in, in the Premier League. And, Could he uh, play up front for Chelsea? He might be able to. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting that he was kind of seen as a, a last-minute deadline day panic by signing. Yeah. Let's not forget. He was at Bolton and Sunderland, and Sunderland didn't want him. Well, and Fiorentina as well. Yeah. I was good at Fiorentina. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. But he's, really? yeah, he's absolutely sensational, and he's one of the key players in the Chelsea team. He's the only outfield player to start every Premier League game, and there's no viable cover for him, particularly. You know, yeah, there, I mean, there's Kennedy, and he's obviously not trusted because he hasn't played. Mm. So Alonso is one of Conte's key men, definitely. But that's what stuns me about um, Chelsea's repeated interest in Alexandro from Juventus. Sandro's a very good player, but Alonso is one of that team's strengths. You wouldn't necessarily want to basically say, thank you very much, Marcus, but you're now going to be backing up for Alex Alexandro because, you know, for me, he's been one of the most successful signings that Chelsea have made, you know, in, in, in a quite a long period, really. Mm. The thing is, I think there's a few things that he's not very good at, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not Marcus sure Alonso. he's great defensively. His possession play is okay. He's a funny player where, I mean, we saw this at Fiorentina as well, where it was very obvious his two strengths were his heading, which you don't expect for a wing back, and his free kicks, yeah. I mean, I think in open play, there's a, there's a case for getting another player in. Really? Personally, yeah. Okay. Um, what about Jack Wilshire? Well, he kind of did his usual Jack Wilshire thing of, of <laughs> looking very lively and then uh, almost getting himself into Well, yeah, but he also scored an absolutely brilliant goal. Yes, he did And score he's getting a regular run in the team. Are you seeing him building week by week? I kind of feel like I am. To be fair, I think he's been very good since he first came into the team. But I, I take your point, he is playing very well. And I think he seems to have... Um, he seems to be a little bit more mature. Mm. I mean, the incidents yesterday were a little bit of a cause for concern. 
But um, I think Wilshire's quite an interesting guy, actually. People have this image of him that he's just a kind of uh, a bit thick, a bit of a tear away. But when you know, when you listen to him in interviews, um, he's doing his coaching badges, for example. He used his time out with, with injuries and stuff um, to do his coaching badges. He seems quite keen to just become a more intelligent footballer. He says of his time at Bournemouth that while it didn't go that well for him on the pitch, he seems to have kind of grown up a bit. You know, he's got a kid maybe two kids and i think he enjoyed just being he's away not from, sure or uh, i'm not sure i'm <laughs> sure he's sure but he, he says uh, you know he enjoyed being away from london different environment like living in bournemouth like the club and he just seems to be a little bit more mature and you wonder really whether he kind of got a little bit too much too soon in terms of his premier league football and now he's had a bit of time away from the limelight maybe at bournemouth mm. to um develop and he's done well yeah I, th- I think he'll be um definitely in the next england squad if he stays fit he'll be in the world cup too there it's you always go. the key, isn't it? I mean, he, he started his sixth Premier League game in a row yesterday, and it's the first time in four years that he's managed that, so he's going to have to build on that, isn't he? He's going to have to keep playing. I really hope that he does, because he's just had such a rotten time of it, and he was supposed to be one of the many saviours of English football. But Yeah, over a period where you'd expect someone who is as fragile as Jack Wilshire to, to break down yeah. injury-wise. Yeah. Indeed. Well, Arsenal-Chelsea was great, and they get to do it all over again next week. In the Carabao Cup, what is it, semi-finals? Yeah. Before that, they've got FA Cup action. You mentioned Chelsea taking on Norwich. Mm. Arsenal, meanwhile, have Forest. They do. We'll talk about that later, Matt. Much, much later. Listeners, our partnership with Paddy Power helps to keep this podcast free. And speaking of free, when you join Paddy's Rewards Club, every time you place five bets of £10 or more on any sport in a single week, Paddy will give you a free £10 bet the following week. Sign up now at paddypower.com. T's and C's apply. Max £10 bonus per person per week. Specific odds required. Exclude shops and cashed out bets. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Matt, as a commentator, what else is in your big book of cliches? Uh, oh, crikey. What's your... Uh, there's one. You've, yeah, you've yeah. seen them given. Yes. Uh, try and avoid that as much as possible. Really? Um, anything regarding the colour of players' boots... Um, I found myself slipping into that quite a lot. And uh, a player applauds the intention, if not the execution. I've had yes. to delete that from my vocabulary because I found that it was just coming up week after week. But, really? Yeah. Okay. But it's the only way you get uh, a round of applause from a fellow player, isn't it? If you get a pass wrong. Yes. You never get you get, never get the applause if, if the pass was right and then they miss the chance. If you see what I mean. No, I do see what you mean. Yeah. All right, then. Massive glut of games over New Year's. But without doubt, the key match amidst all of that was Crystal Palace Man City. And you were there, Michael. You were there to see Man City's uh, winning run come to an end to everyone's surprise. Well, <laughs> almost everyone's. Yeah, weirdly, I did think of you as that was oh. as that was happening because it was it was a bold prediction a few weeks in advance. But yeah, fair play. Um, I guess the story really is that it could have. Been their unbeaten run gone yeah. because that last minute penalty miss. So what was the mood in Salah's part when that penalty was given? Well, I was quite impressed by the fact that full time uh, the Palace fans really cheered as if it was a great result, and it was. But yeah. you know, if I was a Palace fan, I would have still been absolutely devastated about that penalty miss. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, a miss. It was it was Edison doing an Edison. Basically. Sorry, it was a save, but it was I'd say pretty much as bad a penalty as you can get. <laughs> kind of lightly placed I think even Petr Cech probably could have saved that one to be honest but um, it was good and I think the positive thing was that um, City came I wouldn't say they came close but Newcastle gave them a game 
the, yeah. pre- the previous um, the previous match by sitting back and just not engaging. And Palace didn't do that. They played quite aggressively, quite bold. Okay, they had to withstand uh, spells of pressure in the second half. But actually, they kept quite a high defensive line and they did engage City high up the pitch. And I think that's quite a good thing for the Premier League because if any other managers say, well, how do you go about stopping Man City? Mm. And they look to Palace. They say, okay, well, you have to be positive. You have to be a bit bold. You have to kind of tactically foul De Bruyne and have two of your players out for the season. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, but it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's worth it for but that But also point. you have to have Wilfred Zahar so you can, or at least it's handy to have one so you can ping diagonal balls up to him repeatedly. Yes, and it was... Uh, the one thing I had a little bit of a problem with Hodgson's approach was that Zaha, for most of the game, was up against Carl Walker, who's obviously really quick and capable of coping with him. And it was only when he switched right and went up against Danilo, who's not as quick, mm. not really a left-back, that um, he started to get some joy. He created a chance for Townsend. He won that penalty late on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Zaha, I think, is quite possibly, along with Mares, the best player outside the top six this season. He's just, every game he makes things happen. And his his end product can be inconsistent, but... That's what a winger is, you know. That's mm. why he's that's why he's playing for Palace. That's why he's a winger. Um, he's just a really good player. All right, Dan and, and punching out for the season. City, of course, losing Gabriel Jesus, and I think the latest word there was those Jesus wept uh, moments on the <laughs> on the sidelines. But uh, a couple of months they're saying now. Is that right? It looks like it. Yeah. Okay, um, they bounce back. They took all of thirty nine seconds, indeed, to bounce back in their next game against Watford. Uh, Raheem Sterling. Curiously, he's now scored the earliest Premier League goal, this one after 39 seconds, and also the latest, That's James, good. after 96 minutes and 35 seconds against Bournemouth, much yeah. much earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, so one or two issues there for Man City, but they get Stones and David Silva back. Palace continued their fine run straight after this by going down Southampton, beating them 2-1. They've moved up to 14th. Uh, they've had one defeat in their last 11. Uh, Roy Hodgson is basically Gandalf. <laughs> well, they came back from behind again. Um, yeah. yeah, they've got uh, 11 points from losing positions so far this season. And there was redemption uh, for Miljovic Evacic, if that's how you pronounce his name. Miljovic. <laughs> <laughs> Miljovic. I was trying to get well, all of the go. I's in there. Matt? I thought it was Miljovic. Yeah, I think you might have to correct I'll just call him Millie, uh, Millie. from now on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it was quite... I, I saw that this strike was described as, you know, a, a screamer, mm. but he seemed really quite tentative about when he hit it. I mean, he didn't sort of uh, put his foot through the ball and it wasn't placed either. It was just like, oh, have a go. Oh, shall I? Shall I? And it just it went in. I, it was, no, I think that's massively harsh. It was a stroke. <laughs> I was thought a, that was nice beautifully stroke. stroked. I yeah. mean, it wasn't a screamer. I think a screamer has to kind of burst the net. Yeah. But this was, I thought that was a beautifully controlled mm. flip back, almost a reverse oh. shot, if you can call it that. <laughs> You're not having that. You think that was... Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, who whose name do you most dread when you get team sheets as a commentator, Matt? Well, the the absolute pinnacle of um, that kind of thing for commentators w- was when James McCarthy and James MacArthur were playing in the oh, Wigan yeah. midfield together. So anything after that, I'm I'm kind of okay with. And Milivojevic isn't great, especially when you've got a co-commentator who struggles with it. I had one who used to really struggle with Branislav Ivanovic actually, oh, really? and that kind of bleeds that? over. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll withhold his name for his for his sake. <laughs> We just couldn't get over Branislan in Ananin. It was just like, because it, it rolls together so yeah. well, he sort of struggled with it. But yeah, there, once you've got past MacArthur, McCarthy, because yeah. that used to give me sleepless nights, I think anything else, like like you do with the chap who owns Leicester, you just oh, break it down into parts, don't you? And you it's kind exactly of exactly what I did. Yeah. Shrivadana Prava. Yeah. yeah, easy for you to say. 
Okay, here's uh, Hiltko saying Roy Hodgson has taken a side who has lost their first seven games without scoring a goal to one who have suffered just one defeat. We're now in 11. Let's not downplay this. This is absolutely incredible. Uh, The way he's playing his football as well, there's lots of teams that are being, or lots of managers that are taking quite a cynical approach down the bottom end, but not old Roy. And another question we had tweeted in says, bearing in mind, this is from Jacob, bearing in mind Hodgson's remarkable effect on Palace, why is it that his time with England in dominance was so underwhelming? Uh, Do any possible explanations exclusively affect England players? Is any hope thus for World Cup 18 misguided? Well, in terms of Hodgson with England, I think yeah. he broadly did a very good job over the five-year period. Right. And then England played very badly at key moments. And I think maybe if we do well at this World Cup, people will look back and say, actually, this is the guy who brought through Ali and Sterling and Lalana when they were quite young and gave mm. them opportunities and did blood, uh, blood youngsters. I thought the funny thing with his approach was that, you know, he was criticised for being really defensive when he was appointed. And then actually we kind of lost away because we were too attack-minded. We were too attack-minded at the World Cup. We basically played four forwards. The Euros, he tried to play Rooney in midfield, and it's almost like he went away from his traditional approach. Right. The game against Iceland, to be fair, mm. was just a real kind of psychological weakness from the players. And I thought that interview that Allardyce did that essentially got him sacked was quite interesting when he was talking about the mental weaknesses of the players and how that was the thing he had to address. Um, and I'd go along with that. So... Mm. Okay. I'm, not, I'm not. Maybe Hodgson could have done something, but I'm not. That's the kind of thing that is the player's responsibility. I think it's an impossible job. <laughs> there you go. That was a show, isn't it? Did you ever see that film? An Impossible Job, the Graham Taylor documentary. Yeah, ah. yeah, yeah. amazing. Well, worth seeking out. I mean, it's yeah. from you know before you were born and that, but mm. but yeah. Thanks for that question, then, Jacob. City next up are at home to Burnley on Saturday. They beat Burnley three 0 back in October. Clarets. By the way, haven't had a win in five now. After this clash, they've got Bristol City. They're also in the uh, um, Carabao Cup semi-final. Of course, Bristol City beat Man United, didn't they, in the, mm. the previous round? That's going to be exciting. And I don't know. Well, there might be a bit of rotation. Maybe rest Kevin De Bruyne after his nasty knock against Palace. That'll be something interesting for next week. We'll, t- we'll talk about that on Monday. Eh? Palace, meanwhile, on Monday night, are going to be away at Brighton which is A, exciting because it's Palace Brighton. And B, not because it was nil-nil in the Premier League. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and C, because they're going to be using VAR ah. for the first time in this country. OK. James, you've well. seen plenty of VAR mm-hmm. in Siri R. <laughs> uh, and what's your view on it? I like it. I think uh, broadly, on the whole, it's been a positive. Um, We've seen uh, a lot more uh, correct decisions made. However, there have been some very high-profile blunders um, because even though people look at this and think it's technology, it is humans using this technology. Mm. And with humans, there are errors, sometimes glaring errors, Mm. which you cannot understand because even when you give video assistant referees all the angles that we have in studios or on TV, they still make glaring mistakes see for me even if I guess and I, I think I was completely wrong because I, I welcomed it as an innovation but yeah. I now feel completely the other, the, the other way and I, I guess it it depends on whether you think football is a sport intended to crown the best team and reward excellence mm. or whether it's something that's there to entertain people now if you if you think football's there to entertain people that it's primarily an entertainment then VAR is is death because <laughs> well, the, the sight of people scoring goals and then standing around waiting to know if they can celebrate and the crowd doing the same it's it, for me it's i never i never realized i was naive 
Well, I mean, there are cases where it's actually quite tantric, if you like, Ooh. because uh, if you talk to some Roma fans, mm. before Christmas they played Cagliari, they had a 95th minute winner from Fazio, which they had to wait two minutes for, basically for it to be convalidated, and they said that the euphoria from that was was more than anything that they would have normally expected from a say a winning goal but having said that you have very high profile marriages like Simone Inzaghi coming out and saying it just takes all of the emotion mm. out of football and I prefer playing in the Europa League where there is no video assistant referees so yeah push the the biggest victim, of course, the commentators who have to fill for what two, three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Somebody spare us a thought. It's not for me, to be honest. I'm not. I, I don't watch loads of Syria, so I haven't seen the impact that it's had. But my concern, and you've kind of addressed that, James, but is the delay between the goal being scored and and, mm. and I'm I'm more of a football is an entertainment product yeah. as much as as anything else. And I like goal line technology because it's a black or white decision, isn't it? You know, it's either over the line or not. But the more you bring it in, the more it kind of takes elite level football away from lower level football and then you know football that kids start playing and and what have you because it's just not representative of of the game to be played you know when you start for fun and then as it gets more serious and yeah I'm, I'm not not convinced by it good result for Stoke this Christmas puzzled looks around Eddie Hall becoming world's strongest man Michael of course <laughs> yeah I saw it and oh, uh, you did? Okay. it was actually a mixed day for Stoke because then Phil Taylor lost the darts later. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, great World's Strongest Man victory back in, was it April, was it? <laughs> it was May, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Um, but but emotional, emotional. And scenes. is that is, is he is he retired now? Well, yeah, he says uh, he, he, I don't know. He might actually be joining us on the show when we do our next one, uh, it, next Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was uh, terrific. I know a lot of people, especially because it was Eddie that won. And if you haven't seen it yet, I'm awfully sorry for the spoiler. But a lot of people did know the result before. But I, I still thought it was very entertaining uh, seeing him do it. Yeah, I kind of knew the result, but I didn't know that he was going to be so emotional and announce his yeah, retirement after. That was a shock, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Did you know it, about that? Did I know that it, about his promise to his nan and stuff? No, yeah. he'd never yeah. said that before. Yeah. I I knew something about the amount of um, impact it had had on his life because there's no way it couldn't have. Mm. But yeah, he was. I I was really taken aback by the way he spoke after taking the title. It was obviously a huge moment. For him, he's actually. Um, we actually did a, a post World Strongest Man interview with him, which you can find on a World Strongest Man podcast. If you're, you know, really interested in what what happens now for Eddie Hall and what he thought the, the, the tournament that, that that's out there. If you want, uh, kind of contractually, I'm obliged to talk now about FA Cup third round. <laughs> okay, <laughs> are we talking about Stoke then? No, I was going to. You know what? I was going to leave Stoke till later yeah. in case they fire Sparky. I thought if we do it later in the okay. show. That we don't have to come back and re-record anything. Yeah. So Lewis was asking what FA Cup fixture is most likely to see an upset. I don't, there's, there's a broad range of options here. Some really interesting matchups actually. How about Fleetwood Leicester? Oh, that's good. Because well, because it's the Jamie Vardy derby, right? Um, and the Jamie Vardy story we're all very much aware of and kind of almost take it for granted now, but. He finished top scorer and won the conference with Fleetwood, moved to Leicester and then won the Premier League. It's, it's just, it's still an incredible story and uh, I'm quite looking forward to that one. All right. yeah. I hope he plays because of course he missed the last game for Leicester, didn't he? Oh, of course he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Fleetwood's ground is called Highbury. Did you know that? Yes. No. And their manager is Uwe Rosler. Ah. Hmm. We might see a debut for Adrian Silva as well. 
I mean, at first start, he did come on. Yeah, of it was nice for him to come on for five minutes. Uh, him wearing the 14 shirt, is that... That was a wonderful piece of trolling, wasn't it? I, is I, I it covered trolling? that game and, and I thought it just has to be. I mean, the reception he got was unbelievable. But yeah, it's got to be, hasn't it? For 14, I mean... The Glorious. number of well seconds done. they missed the deadline yeah, by. Yeah, yeah. congratulations, oh. Lester. Yeah, right. I didn't realise that. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, could be fun, Shrewsbury against West Ham. This is the Joe Hart derby as well, no? Because, you know, didn't he spend yeah, he started his time at Shrewsbury? Started at oh, Shrewsbury. Yeah. He probably playing this game Shrewsbury as well. Shrewsbury or Shrewsbury? <laughs> Shrewsbury. Really? Yeah. I, I, I learned that when they played Chelsea in the Cup a couple of years ago, and Eddie right. Hazard called them Strawberry. That's definitely wrong. But Shrewsbury, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> it's nice though, isn't it? Yeah. Strawberry. Yeah. Mm. I used to play it. Do they still play it, Gay Meadow? Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. renamed something um, corporate now, unfortunately. It's a shame. Yeah. The new ground, which is called the New Meadow, is a category for UEFA Stadium. So it could host, what? what a Europa League final. It could do, yeah. yeah. The Straubs are currently second in League One, which is remarkable given that they were almost relegated last season. West Ham, meanwhile, may well be a bit pooped after their Thursday night antics against Spurs at Wembley. You also worry a bit with a lot of these potential shocks, um, Bournemouth, mm. Wigan, uh, even Brentford, Notts, which is a, a championship versus League Two game, Newcastle, Luton. A lot of the, the lower league teams there are actually going for promotion, so they might not put out their first ah. teams either. So obviously that lessens the chance of a shock. Luton, you'd think they've dipped off a little bit lately, but they've only Man City have scored more goals than Luton in the entire football league. Yeah. Newcastle, obviously not very good in the Cups, other things on their mind, but if Luton play a reserve side, they'll probably get beat. No, oh, well, that, that's interesting. Those goal stats, 62 goals that the Hatters have scored in 26 games. 62. In 26, they've hit seven twice. They beat Yeovil 8-2 on the opening day of the season. Newcastle, as you mentioned, uh, Rafa Benitez is taking a fairly pragmatic view about where he's going to commit resources. And I, ha- I, mean, I absolutely think that could be one of the potential upsets of this weekend. Is that fair, do you think? Yeah, I'd go along with that, definitely. All right, yeah. Although it is at St James's. Uh, Tottenham are taking on AFC Wimbledon. Question, if Spurs get to the semi-final, do they have to play at a neutral venue? <laughs> Presumably not. No, that will be home advantage for them. Wow. Uh, how how things have changed that. that we're now talking about Wembley being home advantage. Yeah. And of mm. course, scene of um, maybe the most famous uh, FA Cup semi-final when Gascoigne scored against Arsenal. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man United are hosting Derby. Man United, where it's all smiles as usual. Uh, Mourinho, after complaining about only being able to spend three hundred million, uh, calling out referees, saying that Paul Scholes is jealous of Paul Pogba's money. I mean, that's what he effectively said, wasn't it? This is just classic moo, isn't it? What's, uh, yeah. What's going to make this man happy? I don't. I don't like the guy I think he's particularly. Happy being but unhappy. Is it? Is that what makes him happy? Well, hang on. So, did you have much contact with him when I you did? Were... Unfortunately, at the yeah. worst possible time, I started um, doing the post-match interviews in the season that he got fired. Oh right. So Which my, season that he got fired? Uh, the, the second, the most time. recent one. Yeah. So my very first post-match interview with him was after the Eva Canero incident, and uh, it only got worse from there. Oh right. Um, How difficult yeah. was that? What did you say? I said, uh, can you give us your assessment of what was an entertaining game? And he said, you've already given an assessment. And then there was a silence that was much longer than that. And right. I tried to pick up the interview and um, not much happened. Uh, yeah, I found him quite an unpleasant individual. Really? In, in, okay. Yeah, in total contrast to Antonio Conte, who couldn't be oh, that's lovelier. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah? an absolutely terrific fellow. Okay. But, but Jose, I just kind of thought, he's obviously always wanted the Manchester United job. Mm. You know, he's, he's got it now. He's got more money than he can ever spend. He's got a nice family. He's a good-looking chap. 
He's got Pep down the road. Yeah, but still, I mean, you've got to find some joy in life, haven't you? Where, where's he going to get it from? Is it just from complaining that is what makes him happy? I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question you raise. A lot of people feel he's moved straight on to his third season without stopping in the second in at Man United. Does, does that ring true to you, Michael? Yeah, to a certain extent. I think I think whether it's the third season or the fourth season or the second season, I think the, the theory is the same, that basically... He he rubs people up the wrong way and, and people get sick of him. And I think that that kind of constant antagonism feels a bit dated now. Mm. You know, I know Guardiola gets wound up sometimes, but he's basically... I can imagine if you planned a Guardiola, you kind of get on with him, you believe in him. Conte seems to inspire great trust from all his players. And I think some of these Man United players just must be thinking, why, is, why does it have to be like this? Why, why can't I just have a more pleasant existence, to be honest? The, the pop he had at Klopp about the price of the Van Dyke fee is just water off a duck's back for Klopp isn't it and, and this is what's bothering him I think that people aren't Ooh. rising to the bait anymore right he's rubbing Jesse Lingard up the right way though you'd have to say that wouldn't you oh yeah well, seven in his last nine the winner against uh, Watford both Take goals against final. Burnley which include the, the last minute equaliser oh, that yeah. he got for them he killed the game against Everton Scored in the FA Cup final. Scored the winner in the FA Cup final a couple of years yeah. ago, didn't mm-hmm. he? He's actually an interesting case study in terms of players who get loaned out a lot, and now it's generally seen that that's detrimental to a player's career. But he obviously developed much later. That what he's twenty five now. Where was he out on loan? Uh, oh, he went to Derby. He went to Birmingham. Mm. Uh, he had a spell somewhere else. I can't remember. He had four separate loan spells. I remember that. Um, and yeah, you know, sometimes players just develop a little later, don't they? And he's also, a lot of the criticism of Mourinho is that he doesn't develop players that he's got in the way that Pep does or Conte does. Well, maybe Lingard's a sort of argument against that. Yeah. that he seems to have come on since he's well, been he, playing for Mourinho. Jesse could be facing his former club Derby then mm. this weekend. Derby are up to second in the championship. Ooh, Only Harry free. Kane, incidentally, has scored more goals in December than Jesse Lingard. Is that right? That's right. All right, well, the Derby's certainly got Premier League players all over the pitch, um, but they are Huddleston, Nugent, Vidra, Ledley, Scott Carson, Curtis Davis. So, I don't know. Is upset potential here? I don't think so. I think the FA Cup's really important for all the top six except Manchester City. Because right. Because in particular, the managers, there's going to be a lot of questions asked in boardrooms about how have Manchester City won the league by such a massive distance. Mm. And if you can answer it with, well, yeah, but we won the FA Cup, that maybe appeases it slightly. So I think for Man United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham and to a lesser extent Arsenal because they've won it very, very recently and, and a few times. But it's big for the other sides. And also teams like Leicester. You know, Leicester... There was a lot of disappointment in their League Cup quarterfinal when they rested players, didn't they, against City, which was a good chance for them to get through. They're basically battling for seventh with Everton and Burnley. So why not make this, uh, you know, the focal point of the second half of your season? You're away at Fleetwood, should get through that. And, mm. Yeah, it's a fair, fair argument. We'll talk a little bit more about some of those big six clubs in their third round draws. And, of course, Continental Football and our Stoke chat and more questions from you all coming up. Listeners, the January transfer window is open for business and if you think you can identify better value than Chelsea did when they spent £50 million on a washed-up Fernando Torres back in 2011, then you need to check out the football stock market, Football Index. Football Index is a new way to profit from your football knowledge and make money. Buy players, build a portfolio, earn dividends and sell at a profit. And a tax-free profit at that. 
Because you listen to the Totally Football Show, you can try Football Index and trade up to £1,000 entirely risk-free. Just head to footballindex.co.uk, enter the promo code TOTALLY, and if you don't love Football Index, you'll get a full refund with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Download the app or play online at footballindex.co.uk and become a football trader today. T's and C's apply. You must be over 18. Deposit required and please trade responsibly. We were just debating whether to go with European football at this point and the extraordinary events in Italy, and I mean extraordinary, listeners. Um, but then Michael said, I've got a great stat about the FA Cup, well, so let's hear that. I'll frame it as a quiz question. What has not happened for the first time in 67 years to do with the FA Cup? Is it something to do with a non-league team being in the It is. No non-league round? teams in the third round for the first time in 67 years, which is incredible when last year two got to the fifth round and one got to the sixth round Lincoln which was the first time in over a hundred years it's a bit of a shame because we're looking through trying to find these kind of the potential, magic. yeah well trying to find some potential giant killings and a lot of them are quite established league clubs that you know you wouldn't be massively surprised if there was an upset it's quite nice when you do have a, a Lincoln in the in the third round absolutely absolutely all right well one or two other options. You, you, you touched on Norwich Chelsea that Saturday evening, Sunday late afternoon. Your team, Matt. I mean, mm. you know, your team of the heart. Nottingham Forest will be hosting Arsenal with caretaker manager Gary Brazil in the dugout. They've never, they've gone and fired their manager again. Yes, unfortunately so. Yeah, um, it, it's a strange one because I, I wasn't completely convinced by Mark Warburton, but. Uh, Forest were and are well clear of relegation trouble and they stayed up by two goals last season. Mm. So that's progress. Uh, unfortunately, they've lost more games than anyone outside the relegation zone and they are in a poor run of form at the moment. But my concern would be if Aitor Karanka was the heavy favourite, probably by the time the pod goes out, somebody else would have got the job, but Karanka is the heavy favourite. Really? If he's going to come in, mm. that that's such um, a disparity between two styles of football that it maybe says there's no joined up thinking and and the other concern that Forest fans have got is that we've just uh, got rid of an owner who in his five seasons changed the manager at least once every time Yeah, it would have been nice to see out the season with the same manager obviously get the turnover of players the turnover of staff and we kind of thought this new owner although he's he's obviously um, got his troubles what with his uh, Uh his uh, match match fixing allegations yeah, we thought that. that they he was a bit more stable in terms of his hiring and firing but it would appear not right last nine forest managers stats fans have managed to combine 295 games that's what 33.7 each billy davis the most with 59 and that must have felt like a full 59 oh, yeah. Yeah, alex mcleish the fewest with seven arson wenger meanwhile will be having his 1209th game with Arsenal. Arsenal, the holders, of course, they have won the FA Cup a record 13 times. It's the trophy, Michael. Mm-hmm. Here's a question for you that they've won the second most. What's the one they've won the most? Fourth Tro- place. Fourth place finish <laughs> trophy. <laughs> it's real. Do you want to know something vaguely interesting about Arsenal's uh, trophy cabinet or their historical yes. trophy cabinet? Yep. On the list of their honours, they won, I think, the first ever Kent Senior Cup. Really? Because they used to be based in Woolwich, and so they used to enter oh, the yeah. Kent Cup. Wow. Michael, can you make... I'm, I'm going with this game to my mum, and I'm, I'm, I bought her a ticket for Christmas. She's a big Forest fan. Oh, she's nice. really excited. She thinks she's going to see some stars. I don't think she is. Can you make any case for Arsenal's under-23s not beating Forest? Because I can see they you, you won 4-0 at the City Ground in the League Cup last season, wasn't mm. it? Surely it's just going to be the same again. Yeah, I expect so. I must say, I haven't seen much of Forest, so I can't really judge them. But um, I think Arsenal's backup eleven is quite good. You know, they've they've been used to playing together as, as well in the Europa League. So, yeah, I think Arsenal will win that 
Just on the subject of uh, Gary Brazil. Okay, yes, sorry. I know we're going back a bit. Do you know his daughter plays for Fiorentina? Yeah, she moved from Birmingham in the summer. Ah, Ellie. Yeah, mm. lovely story. Yeah. On the subject of your mum, do you commentate for her while you're, you know, sat? Um, I saw, I, actually, well, I was back for Christmas watching the, who was it, Everton somebody, Everton Swansea just before oh, yeah. Christmas, and my stepfather had to ask me to stop commentating. Right. Because he was trying to enjoy the game. Okay. So, yeah. It's nice. <laughs> uh, good. Now, uh, your employers, Chelsea, taking on Norwich, mentioned that, yada, yada, yada. But Friday... It all kicks off this FA Cup third round with Liverpool-Everton. Hoo-hoo-hoo! James, are you excited? Well, yeah. Uh, I think this should be... I mean, again, I would say in terms of the derbies that are in this game, this is, yeah, in, in this uh, round of fixtures, this is definitely uh, up there, let's say, with Brighton Palace. Um, but, uh, yeah, Liverpool will be looking to uh, make amends or perhaps um, really stick it to, uh, to Everton after what happened, what, only a few weeks ago when right. uh, Big Sam somehow... Pull the draw out of nowhere. Ah, yeah. well, do they need to stick it to Everton or stick it to Jurgen Klopp's team selection? I thought that was the real. Well, we we'll have opponent. to get Rafa. I mean, will 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 Salah be playing in this? I mean, what's he going to do here? Um, well, Salah and Mane are going to be away yeah. in Ghana the day before, aren't they? Yeah, they fly back uh, overnight on Thursday from the uh, African Player of the Year celebrations in Ghana. Yeah, and Klopp says, "Well, it's no different. We'll be sleeping in a hotel. They'll be sleeping in a plane." But. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. I think there is fatigue from travel. Mm. I'd be surprised if either of them... I mean, Salah's got a slight injury, hasn't he? So I'd be surprised if either of them played. Could be could be a start for Adam Lallana. Yes, it's great to see him back uh, because I think he's an excellent player for Liverpool. I think he's often England's key player as well, looking forward to the summer. Mm. And uh, if Coutinho's off, then I think Lallana will have a particularly big role to play there. And I mm. must say, if, if they do get rid of Coutinho, having brought in Salah and if they get fully fit Lallana back... I don't think they're too much worse off, personally. There you go. And are you excited by the way that uh, Lalana is visually kind of metamorphosing into Andrea Pirlo? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I was going to go for Joe Allen, actually. Okay. But you've, yeah. you've really upgraded Both great him there. Players. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Liverpool are on a terrific run of form. They're unbeaten in 16, sailed through Christmas. I think they were the kind of big festive fixture winners, weren't they? Yes, they did very well. And... Uh... Yeah, it goes back to the rotation again. They didn't seem to be particularly fatigued and, and got that late goal against um, Burnley, mm. uh, which was interesting, obviously, because of the two centre-backs combining. Yeah, and that wasn't of... that poignant. Yeah. Because it's kind yeah. of their last... Oh, that's what everyone said. That's, they've signed off with a you know, with a wistful goal, a, a glimpse of what might have been had Virgil van Dijk not been turning up to take both their jobs at the same time. <laughs> particularly yes. with Clavin getting the, uh, the, the trademark... Clop arm round the shoulder yeah. on the way out, like he was being, you know, walked out to the woods to. Yeah. Thanks, Ragnar. Yeah, yeah. I love the mock-ups of, of, of Ragnar Clavin being announced by Barcelona. That was they were, they were really. Good. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Everton, meanwhile, didn't have such a good Christmas. Uh, what, what happened to them? Let's see. They conceded four goals. Oh, they lost to Bournemouth and Man United. Yes, they they didn't look good against Manchester United. I thought they were got some breaking negative. news here. Oh, what's this? Chenk Tosun. Ah, is he uh, going to Everton? Well, Sam Allardyce is saying we've agreed a deal at the stage, uh, personal terms as well. We might be able to get him registered in time to play in the cup. Really? Ooh. Now that's big. There has been some debate about how valid uh, Tosun's goal-scoring record in Turkey is. Uh, how much we can really read into it. But you've seen him at work in 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 the Champions League with Besiktas. And have been very impressed, I think, James. Is that right? Yeah, I think he's an all-round striker. Um, and what did he get? Four goals in the Champions League group stages. Um, and I think what you've seen from him is uh, he's got better every year. And that's something that scouts really value. How old that's, is he now then? 
Asking the tough questions on the Toby <laughs> Football Show. Um, he is... I guess 25. All right. Mike, Matt? You got He's 26. Oh. 26. Okay. Yeah. So close. Um, but um, gets better every year. And at Besiktas, um, he was never really uh, the go-to guy um, in terms of like there was always a bigger name, let's say, mm. that they, they that the fans expected the goals from. So initially it was Demba Barr. Um, then it was Mario Gomez, mm. and then it was um, Vincent Abubica. Mm. And yeah, gradually he basically said, muscled his way in, amongst, always kept his um, uh, name in the manager's thoughts, and became became yeah the twenty four goal um, goal scorer that he is. So yeah, I think it's 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 obviously they've been crying out for a player like him at Everton. So um, well, so they didn't yeah. have a shot on target against United. <laughs> the second time in four games that that's happened. One last thing on Liverpool. Cochino business, do you think that's going to happen, Matt? It's a strange one because he can't play in the Champions League, can he? And, yeah. and Barcelona are nine points clear at the top of the table. So mm. it's a slightly curious time for him to move, unless he's just insistent that he doesn't want to play for Liverpool anymore. But that seems sort of counter to how he acted in the summer. Yeah. Of course, there are so many games coming up this weekend, including Coventry Stoke. Talking about Mark Hughes a little bit later on. Um, but that'll be after we do our Continental Roundup. Just before we move on, uh, who do you think the upset of the weekend's going to be? It'd be an upset if Swansea beat Wolves. Right, OK. I would say Coventry Stoke, but not a particularly glamorous one, but I'd also fancy Notts County maybe to win at Brentford League 2 Ooh. versus Championship. for having a very good season. Kevin Nolan's Notts County. Not, not mm. Yes. Uh, right. I'll go for Fulham, who are at home to Southampton. Yes. I think Luton against Newcastle. Cry, they're all flying now, aren't they? Mm. Right, a quick break, and then Europe. Spain. Diego Costa made his debut for Atletico Madrid in the Copa del Rey against Leida Esportiu. He scored. Yeah, five minutes after coming on. Torres didn't look happy when Did Diego Costa scored. They, they flicked a, a shot of him on the bench and he just looks like sad as if he wasn't going to play ever again. Oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, also in Copa del Rey news, Vincenzo Montella made his debut for Sevilla and they won 2-0 at Cadiz. Mm. And he's got the derby coming up this weekend. Yeah, that's big. Uh, in Italy, where Vincenzo Montella comes from, yes, the big news over Christmas was, James, over New Year's was... Napoli being winter champions? Well, yeah, I'm going to say Benevento winning a football match. <laughs> yes. They won a football match. They did. What happened? Well, it didn't look like it was going to happen because they lost a number of their players to uh, to injury. What Cicciaretti uh, in the warm up, and he's uh, he's on his way to Napoli, and the fans turned on him. It didn't look like it was going to be a very good atmosphere. And then Massimo Corda, um, who they signed in the summer, and basically thought, actually, he's not that good. We're not going to play him anymore. They did play him, and he scored the the winning goal. Wow, one nil over Kievo. Yeah. yeah. Now that leaves them nine points behind Hellas Verona, eleven points from safety, but it's on. Yeah, I mean, they've still got the worst ever record at the end of a first half of the season. I think they've got four points. The previous was <laughs> five. Mm-hmm. So even though you know, we love them because of you know, what, you know their goalkeeper scoring against Milan, getting that late equaliser and this um, sort of uh, winning their last game, first game in the last game of the year, right. they are historically awful. Yeah, no, so, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. okay, so second biggest story then over the kind of new year, I'm going to go with Udinese. Ah, yes. Now, which I find really, really confusing. Udinese mm-hmm. have won five straight games. Um, 
they were absolutely terrible. I can't remember how many games they'd won in the in the previous what was it twelve matches before Massimo came in. Yeah, but I guess they've already got more two. points than than they had in the first twelve games right. of the season. But the really bizarre thing is that Massimo, yeah, who's taken over and, and worked this miracle there, is the same Massimo who who last season at Pescara from his first twenty four games only got one victory. And that was at Tavolino because the other team had, had, had made a mistake with the regulations. Yeah, they fielded an uh, in, ineligible player. Um, that was against Sassuolo. Um, but Otto, to, to be fair to him, um, in getting Pescara promoted with a very exciting brand of football, mm. launching the career of a player that we've got excited about this season in Lucas Terreira as well, um, had, a, had a, some pedigree. And uh, yeah, it's part of that 2006 generation of, uh, of players who won the World Cup and mm. is now making their way as a manager. He was um, the hairdresser for that Italy squad oh, yeah. uh, in 2006. He gave all the players a bit of a trim. Right. And uh, I seem to remember Marcello Lippi stringing him along saying, oh, you've got to be ready, you've got to be ready for tomorrow, you've got to be ready. And uh, Otto thought he was going to be playing and he said he was just, Lippi just expected a haircut out of him. So Damn. Right. Is it is it um, Udinese who Kevin Lasagna plays for? It is. Yes. yes. I, did, I did an Udinese game. I don't do much Italian football, but oh, did it, did Udinese. Uh, it was for the Zone in Canada. Um, okay. Uh, with, Canadian listeners. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big in Canada. Uh, it was against Napoli. Was it November? I think it was Otto's first, first game first actually. Game, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I was Jerry Taggart was my co-commentator. Okay. And Lasagna came on and he got the ball and I said he's looking for a teammate to pasta. And Jerry Taggart was really angry. <laughs> Just did, no, no, no. We're not having any more pasta puns. Oh, no, really? In many ways, it's the highlight of my career. That, but it did well, you're in the right well. place for Italian puns here. <laughs> oh, Gareth Jones, for example, says I was impressed by the wonderfully named Kevin Lasagna at the weekend. Meaty performance, topped off with a crisp finish. Whereas he it was a great goal. Of- and he scored as well in every single one. Yeah, five straight games. Five straight games. Where's he come out of? Well, the yeah. answer is yeah. James Carpi. Carpi. Carpe Diem and all that, who were in Syria, much everyone's surprised, the smallest team ever, I think, to reach uh, the, the, the the top flight. Smaller even than Kievo, is that fair? Or possibly uh, not smaller than Kievo? Well, I mean, they certainly play on anyway. a smaller ground uh, than, than Kievo do. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all of those all of those clubs, we mentioned Benevento, are taking inspiration, I suppose, from, right. from what Kievo did all those years ago. Absolutely. Anyway, so Kevin Lasagna, is he the real reason for Udinese's success? No, um, I mean he's been brilliant. Mm. Uh, I think yeah, this is this is the case of a, a new manager bounce who's come in and completely transformed them, um, playing a new system three five two and getting the best out of their their best players. I mean Udinese have had a real lean spell since Francesco Guidolin left the club. Um, you know when he used to get them quite regularly into the Champions League playoffs, mm. only for them to stuff it up against Braga and against Arsenal. Um, their recruitment hasn't been that good since then, but they seem to have found. Really nice group of players at the moment with Jakob Yankto and uh, Antonin Barak, these two Czechs in midfield who are doing uh, great things for them uh, under Oddo. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know there are a lot of Watford fans quite eager um, to, to see if particularly those two mm. were, were willing to come across at some stage in the summer. I think, you know, with Yankto um, uh, in particular, you know, he's someone who now has such high profile interest that um, yeah, it's likely they'd get a, a, a bid that Watford couldn't afford um, mm. to match, really, from one of the big Italian clubs. Or, but even or, though they're part of the same setup, yeah, I think so. I mean, naturally, it comes down to the player, and if the player is offered to go and play for Juventus, whether it's Pavel Nedved or go and play for Inter, I, I imagine they would still choose that. Right. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's a story to follow because yeah, I mean, you look at these sort of 
uh, winning runs. They're, in Italy, they're going, oh, they've, they've been as good as Barcelona and Man City in December. Um, mm. But, um, yeah, it's quite a, t- quite a turnaround, really. It certainly is. They will be taking on Chievo this weekend when Serie A returns. Fiorentina up against Inter on Friday night. It's going to be an exciting game. Roma take on Atalanta, an Atalanta team who've just put themselves into the Coppa Italia semi-finals, where they'll be hosting Juventus after Juventus beat Torino Wednesday night in their Coppa Italia quarterfinal 2-0 and that marked the end to my surprise of Sinisa Mihalovic's reign as Torino manager I know that they've not had the best of runs three wins in the last 17 games but that that's a surprising move from Torino yeah, it is a bit of a surprise because they um, they put Roma out of the cup um, just before Christmas. They also beat Lazio um, at the Olimpico. Um, but, yeah, they expected more um, this season because, you know, it's quite funny. You go back at the end of the last transfer window and, and you, you read Gazetta's ratings. They put Milan's business as the best and then Torino's as the second best. Oh, really? Um, because, yeah, they... Shelled out a club record for both teams doing brilliantly. Exactly, exactly. So I think people overrated their transfer windows, but they seem to they put a lot of money into their defence because Mm -hmm. they got rid of Joe Hart, for example. They need a new goalkeeper, and Sirigu has been good. Um, in Kulu and Saldi but I mean I think one of the problems for them is Belotti um, who was so good last year so much so they put a 100 million euro buyout clause in his contract he got a knee injury raced back to be ready for that playoff against uh, Sweden for Italy which of course we know went badly for Italy he's then he's now got injured again and he hasn't been scoring anywhere near as like as, as he was last right. year so they've been getting far too many draws and uh, yeah, they expected not only to be kind of in the race or conversation for the Europa League, but nailed on for Europa League. And that's just not happened for them. Listeners, do you like shaving and looking smooth and clean? Yes! But do you enjoy having to go to the shops for new razors and other shaving supplies? No! Well, Cornerstone gives you everything you need for a great shave and they'll deliver it all right to your door. Cornerstone's super sharp, award-winning blades are engineered in Germany, which is always a good sign, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Get £10 off your first order and check out the range for yourself at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. One or two other bits of business. Dan Atkin wants us to mention his name because we chopped it out last time. Dan, I'm so sorry about that. Producer Ben wants us to mention that Everton brought on Lennon and McCarthy <laughs> against Man United, <laughs> but they still got Beetle. It was a long and winding road. Can they get back? This is pretty sad. Hard day's night. Yeah. For Sam, presumably. Yeah. Uh, super. Stoke. That's not super. Recap here. You lose 5-0 against Chelsea, but you feel the weakened team because you've identified the home game against Newcastle as where you're going to get your points. You then go and lose the home game with Newcastle, 1-0, and then you blame, what, the media for creating an agenda? Yeah, I blame everybody. I was at the obviously at the Chelsea-Stoke game. Right. Um, and I thought it was actually quite disrespectful to the maybe 1,500 Stoke fans who travelled, because mm. Mark Hughes could have said... I'm going to make changes for this game. You know, not he couldn't. He didn't need to be as blatant as saying, "Don't bother coming because we're going to lose." Right. There were players who played against Newcastle who played against Chelsea, and they'd just been beaten five nil. You know, right. and, he, and he put two teenagers at fullback, one of whom isn't a fullback. I mean, I can't really see how he's not culpable. Mm. What, who who does the blame lie with? He, he left his best four players on the bench. Right, but then 
justification comes when they beat Newcastle at home. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, that was the plan. Yeah, I thought, I mean, Newcastle had a few great chances to score before Perez did. Kieran Clark missed an incredible, incredible opportunity. Hughes's defence um, to his selection tended to be, well, who else could I have picked in defence? That was that was the thrust of his argument. But he left Shakiri, Allen, Crouch and Chupamoting on the bench. Mm. And they're not defenders, so... Yeah, there was a couple of questions he asked. He answered with questions, didn't he? Mm. The same way he was asked, "Are you the right man for the job?" And he said, "Well, who else is going to do?" Yeah. Which, Which seems. And I, I love how he put his, his the reason why he should stay is like no one knows this group of players better than me. It's, well, yeah, because you've been in the job for so long. But it's just you do doesn't... you do wonder whether he's had a look and gone. Well, Aladas has got a job. Pulis has got a job. Hodgson's got a job. Pardew's got a job, and that's in his mind. He is thinking maybe I'll stay in my job because there's no one else. Well, we'll see if his if his reasoning on this occasion turns out to be correct. They are, in the meantime, away at Coventry on Saturday. Coventry are third in League Two at the moment. They don't score many, but they have the meanest defence in the division. The whole of League Two. Be an interesting test that will Barry Eno get another run out, do you think, poor chap? Yeah, I felt I felt really sorry for him actually in the game. Because even Shane Long has scored now. Yeah, yeah. And he I mean in, in the game at Chelsea he just had no service whatsoever. He had one one on one with Courtois, who's not the goalkeeper you want to be facing with yeah. a one on one, made a good save. But yeah, it's kind of it's a sad story, the Berrino story. I know he, he maybe brought some of it on himself, but it's never Well that's fun. what Tony Peters always used to say. Yeah. I, I don't know in what way. I mean he may be right, but it did. Tony Pugh's always used to kind of hang him out to dry and say, uh, yeah. I don't want to be hard on the lad, but... <laughs> but I'm going to be anyway. Yeah, I'm yeah, going yeah. to be. Uh, Mark Flynn saying, now that Shane Long has more goals in a calendar year than England's Rose Harry Kane, does this make him now a target for Liverpool? <laughs> Mark. <laughs> uh, now, anyway, well, the, the, that's, all the, um, that's all your FA Cup then, isn't it? Super. Let's now get the odds from Paddy Power with Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. I'm here with Lee Price from Paddy Power. Welcome to the studio, Lee. Thank you. It's very exciting to be here. We've got some FA Cup games, haven't we? Absolute punter's graveyard, surely. Yeah, I've been parachuted in for Paddy, who doesn't fancy pricing these up. Uh, I'm not there should be some sets this weekend, and let's try and pick them. Yeah, Wolves-Swansea is uh, first on our list. I mean, these two are basically going to swap places next season, aren't they? Yeah, does this count as a cup set? I think Wolves should be an absolute banker this weekend. They're runaway leads of the Championship. They're Man City, but a lower league. Uh, they're four to five, so odds on to beat Swansea. Swansea have got a tough run of games. They have got Newcastle away next, so maybe they should do a Mark Hughes and rest their entire team. Well, uh, this is the only thing with Wolves. They rested most of their team against Man City, but then the stand-ins actually did a pretty decent yeah, job. Decent so I, yeah, can't I, see... I really fancy Wolves here. Yeah, I can't see any hope for Swansea. Um, Southampton, Fulham. Uh, Southampton haven't won since they beat Everton that time, which I don't even think should count, given That's how bad Everton really, was. Wasn't it? Yeah, they haven't won in nine games. Shane Long has scored for the first time in 11 months, <laughs> but Fulham scored four times in seven minutes the other night, as I, you know. Yeah, so... I was there. Fulham are great fun. No, I, I fancy them this season, but they're disappointed slightly at the start. Uh, they're twenty-one to ten to win against Southampton at home. Saints are our slight favourites for some reason at five to four. Their boss does need a win. They've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. He could do about a cup set here. Fair enough. Right, the one that I'm going for: uh, Shrewsbury against West Ham. Now, in two thousand and three, David uh, David Moyes was beaten by Shrewsbury. He was Everton manager it's at fate. the time. <laughs> so I'm I'm sticking with this one, um, but I'm a big fan of Shrewsbury. The the way that they play, the the team ethic. Um, uh, am I right, or, or am I just? Yeah, on paper, I thought you were slightly mad, but I looked into it. Uh, Shrewsbury are second in League One. West Ham, their next five games. How about this in the league: Huddersfield, Bournemouth, Palace, Brighton, and Watford. 
They have to stick out the reserves and focus on the league. West Ham are evens to win. Shrewsbury are 5-2, to two, the same price for the draw. Massive value there. Yeah, Shrewsbury won't give them an inch. Um, and finally, Coventry against Stoke. Um, Coventry, well, sort of synonymous with Golden Age of FA Cup, aren't they? Yes, uh, and this could be Mark Hughes' swan song. They've got Man United next, so he's got no chance. Uh, Stoke are odds on to win a game of football. Isn't that mad? They're 4-6. to six. Coventry are 4-1 to one to win at home. They're flying high in League 2. 11-4 to four the draw, I fancy. But yeah, Stoke... I think this is the end of Husey. Do we even know if Mark Hughes is, is going to be in, in charge for this game? It's odds on that he goes this month. I would say it's a question mark. You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And of course, when the fun stops... Stop. Where are you off to this weekend? Uh, Mark, are you going to be, what, what are you going to be looking out for? I'm not at any games uh, this weekend, but I seem to be one of the few people who really likes the FA Cup, so I'll be watching as much FA Cup as possible. Oh, OK. People are quite down on it. I think. Are they? Yeah. People, eh? Mm. Uh, what about you, James? Into Fiorentina on Friday night. Of course, course yeah, into yeah. Fiorentina. Bit of Cholito Simeone, mm. Picardi. Nice. Taste. Nice. Uh, and, and yourself, Matt? Well, you've obviously got your Chelsea Norwich and then yeah, and you're then off with your mum to, to City, City Ground. Ground yeah. so I'm, I'm a big fan of the FA Cup third round as well, which is strange because um, Forrest are generally terrible in it and always yeah. get knocked out. But um, just, yeah, it, it was a really good draw as well, despite the lack of non-league teams. The fact that it's kind of bookended with the Merseyside derby and then Brighton v Palace. Mm. Lots of interest all through the weekend, hopefully. It certainly And is. no Manchester United on TV for the first time in Wow, is that true? Yep. Yeah. Was it what, 58 and out, is it, or something so like that? About that, that number, yeah. yeah. Huh. Uh, if you're not a fan of the FA Cup, uh, you, you could always tune in to the BDO World Championship darts. <laughs> While you're chuckling, Michael, I'm going to be hosting it. It's a proper sporting event at Lakeside, and uh, that'll be kicking off, which I think is the appropriate term in darts, on Saturday... So, uh, who are the yeah. favourites, Jimbo? Well, Wolfie, Martin Wolfie Adams. There you go. I'm assuming he's still BDO. No, no, he is very much. Yeah, yeah. you're going to be sick of, sick of hearing numbers like 45 and 26 by the end of the weekend, aren't you? Oh, what I'm thinking of is the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Can they pitch the um, brilliantly guff, gruff guy who does the scoring at the PDC? Oh, he's he's amazing. That we require 140. Yeah, he's a lovely love chap as well. Is he? Yeah, yeah, that's good to know. He is hairy. <laughs> He is really hairy. Uh, Russ. Right. It's, yeah, yeah, it's Russ. always just like disappointment when the other guy does it. And, oh, I want, no, no. I, want he, I spent a, a very enjoyable week doing um, PDC, the minor mm. darts competition. Uh, their European Championship, I think it was called in Bochum, Germany. Yeah. This was a while back. And uh, Russ was very much uh, on duty for that. And uh, yeah, yeah f- fabulous. A very entertaining man. Super. Anyway, lots to look forward to in the wide world of sport. Michael. James, Matt, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, and I'm I'm, I'm impressed that um, Ben didn't force some uh, some wrestling chat on you like uh, he did when Carrie was on a couple of months ago. Oh yeah, oh, we have words about that. <laughs> uh, super. We'll be back, everybody, on Monday. So do join us then, and most especially have yourself a great weekend. In the meanwhile, this has been your Totally Football Show. Goodbye. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.